Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. And hey, y'all, and welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. That sounded peppy, didn't it? It did. Did you get some more medicine? Sorry, I cut you off <laughs> right before you said, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think they got enough pep. Yeah, I'm just, I'm uh, I'm all pepped up off these Ricolas. <laughs> Is that what's happening? Do they have uh, anything in them? Are they medicated in any way? Something Swiss. Melissa Limoncella. Oh, well, that'll get you going every time. <laughs> uh, are we ready to talk about this week's episode? Well, maybe, baby. Oh, that's well done. Well done. So that is the title of season five, episode 17. Though she's single and currently uninvolved, Mary Jo decides it's time for her to have another baby and tries to convince the visiting JD to help her out with a donation. Suzanne takes up smoking to lose weight. Air date, February 11th, 1991. We're calling this one JD Returns. It's written by Pam Norris and directed by David Trainer. And Selena's trivia tells me that this will be the last appearance of Richard Gilliland as JD Shackleford. Both of those last names are very challenging for me to <laughs> say. Back to back is <laughs> just, it's hard. an unfair, unfair situation, honestly. Uh, what do you have in the way of general reactions? Yes, for some, this may be the episode where JD comes back. That is true. And for others, it's the one Mar where Mary Jo contemplates having a baby. But for me, it's the Suzanne smoking episode. Ah, uh, uh -huh. yeah. So, how about you? Um, so, you've already said it. We had a huge character return with JD. If I did my math right, he hasn't been, and by doing my math right, I mean Googled enough. He hasn't been around since season four, episode four. Uh, this is the heat. The kayaking episode. Yes. Uh -huh. Almost so, said hee-haw. So I was kind of surprised there wasn't more of an audience response for him. Like just listening to the laugh track or whatever. Like it just felt like there would be more people excited to see him. Mm -hmm. um, on that note, though, I looked it up. Like we, we said, this is his last appearance. I looked it up. He's made 14 appearances over the course of the show, which absolutely shocks me. That feels like so many but I guess we've watched a lot of Designing Women. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't feel like I can remember 14 individual instances of seeing JD. There's 20 hundred episodes a season. It, so, right, I right. Mean. So the law of averages, right? Like 14, yeah, I guess. I, guess. Uh, I will say this is a horrible way to say goodbye to his character. Just um, like an absolutely awful note to go out on, in my opinion. So it feels like... I agree with that. And I, so in this, since we're talking about JD, I think one of my general reactions is just that I think I miss him. It's true that when he was appearing more regularly, I wasn't always a fan, but gosh darn it. I just kind of like him. I think it's more to do with Richard Gilliland. Yeah. And He's also, super charming. Yeah. And also him being gone in real life. Uh, I just, I was curious too. Did you see the multiple, I think, Maybe it's Charlene that opens the door or something and he's there. Maybe she's standing up near the front. I don't remember. But like, I just, I've been like, tried to watch them and see if there's any spark there. Charlene, oh, I did the same thing. Nothing. And, oh, really? I saw. Nothing. <laughs> so, so speaking of seeing things that aren't there, <laughs> I was like, is it just me? Or was her eyes just fluttering just a little bit more when he walked through the door? I always forget to be completely and 100% transparent because there's a lot going on in my head. I always forget that it's Gene Smart and him and not Dixie Carter, not Dixie, not Dixie Carter, Delta Burke, because Delta always seems to have stars in her eyes when he's on camera, in my opinion. Oh. She always seems like so totally infatuated with him. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that's her. 
part and parcel to her character, and that she just kind of flirts with all men. Maybe it doesn't she just look needs to charm every man. It doesn't know? look acty though. Like oh. um, toward the end of the episode, she made this sort of like um, joke about them maybe needing some of her cigarettes after they go into mm-hmm. the back room. Something about the way she says it is not. Um, it's not sensual. It's not like her. She's obviously not hitting on him. It's just something about her talking about him. She seems like smitten or something. I, and I've noticed it on other JD occasions as well. I, I don't know. Oh, okay. I may be reading into it. She was the one that originally introduced mm-hmm. Mary Jo and JD. So I, maybe she just really likes like the a guy. Familiarity yeah. Or something. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I always think that about her. But I'm glad you saw it between. Gene Smart and him. I wanted to. You wanted to. It was I just did. <laughs> you saw it. You I saw wanted it. it. Um, on reflection for this season, this is my last general reaction. I do think the show has actually done it. I'll say actually. I hate it when I do that. Actually. It's, it's been building to this plot for Mary Jo. It feels like it's done a nice job of doing that. I, you know, she was the one who was so fascinated by the sperm bank story earlier in the season. Maybe it was breadcrumbs. Maybe it wasn't. She was also experiencing feeling feelings around Claudia turning 18. So I think they did a nice job laying the groundwork for this one. Whereas sometimes it feels like things just come out of the blue. She's was either, and maybe it's even in this episode, I can't remember, but like she's very excited to be around Charlene and the baby, Olivia, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it feels like they're, they're letting that, letting the audience know that empty nest syndrome is occurring. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I see that. Um, I have two other general thoughts. Uh, one has two parts. So. <laughs> All of mine do. I really liked this plot line, but it had two major thoughts about it. So she says, "All I'm really asking for is a few moments of your time." So one, that line was hilarious. That entire scene between Mary Jo and JD was really funny. But there are a lot of layers to that one sort of throwaway comment. Ultimately, being just like a baby is never just yours. Mm. So I really, I think I really struggled with her blind spot to the fact that like, one, the child's going to want to grow up and know who their dad is. And two, that JD would want to know this child. And so her blind spot clouded the episode a little bit for me. It was like, Mm. you could probably argue that it was a willful ignorance because she Mm -hmm. didn't want to see those things. But for some reason, I don't know if it's like, the mom in me or just like the realist in me, but something about it. I was just like, this is so absurd. This is so crazy. And I can't believe she would look at him and say that. Um, And then there was this line where she said, don't you see JD, my life is finally in order. So this is that building through the season you're talking about. I have so much to give. Please don't tell me I'm not going to be able to give it. I want a baby. Um, So this line just really spoke to me. I don't know if it's the late thirties again, if it's the mom thing, but like, I just hate, and I think it's so unfair that fertility is not adequately aligned with the female life cycle. You're just like a total mess in your teens and your early 20s, but like a man could sneeze and you'd get pregnant. Mm. But like by the time you finally are ready and you can be the full parent that a kid needs, that you can financially provide for them, your biological clock is ticking so loud it keeps you up at night. That's just so messed up. That is like an unfair thing about life. And I just kept thinking that through this whole episode. Yeah. And then this one probably could be a stray. Um, I really liked Suzanne smoking and Mary Jo's fertility thing sort of being in the same episode. Um, Health issues. <laughs> right. right. Um, but, you know, in the last episode with Bernice's thing, I said I felt like there could have been maybe another subplot or something oh, more. Uh-huh. This is sort of what I had in mind. Like some it, that no situation felt 
incomplete or something. This one felt like full circle. We had two sort of meaty things going on at the same time, and it made the episode feel like something I was really taking in. Yeah, I like that. And is is that the end of your general reaction? It is. cut you off. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let's jump into stray observations then. And if you don't mind, let's start with Suzanne Watch because we're already kind of talking about the smoking bit. Okay. So let me just ask you in general, do you see anything worth talking about for Suzanne Watch? (laughs) (laughs) Did anything strike you? Um, (laughs) Well, you know what was really funny is when they took her away and put her in the new smoking section, which is the atrium or whatever they call it they had her back to the camera and I totally did not think that was really Delta Burke I thought it was a body stand-in it looked so like they were she wasn't there but then she turned her head really fast and I'm like oh well I'm reading something that's not there so yeah no I mean they were definitely like put her outside or whatever but what I'm struggling with so much is she's still such a part you just said like to you this is the Suzanne smoking episode I think that speaks to Delta Burke ah, I don't think just, it, to me it doesn't you, speak to I think the you're show. playing mind games with me no. I think you're planting something I mean maybe so my thing I mean, who knows um my thing is is like because I've I've had this thought a lot and people have actually weighed in on social media they talked about this episode specifically as a good example for us to talk about in the Suzanne Watch segment and yes they put her out in the cold and locked yeah. the doors and closed the drapes and it was very funny you know I think I think um, it's just, it's hard to read it with just purely funny when you know that there are these problems off the set. But in terms of what she's doing comedically, it, it doesn't matter. They can't shut her down. She's that good. She's so funny. But that's a Delta thing, you know. I don't know that just anybody could do what she was doing in these scenes. And I was actually curiously wondering how close this might be to when they did actually sit down and vote on whether to keep her in the show or not. Mm-hmm. Like, where are, um, well, actually, actually, I don't have to know if it was in February. That's pro- unless they're out of order. We're like just a couple of months from that conversation taking place. So, yeah. So hard. I just, it's so hard for me to think about it and talk about it because I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. We weren't there. It's just, we're just making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they um, cut a couple of her lines, actually. Okay. Well, one of her lines and then one, uh, someone else. So when Suzanne said she started smoking for her diet, they cut this. That's very clever, Suzanne. You single-handedly came upon the one diet uh, aid that causes emphysema. And then after the discussion about the warning label on cigarettes, they cut this. Well, I'm sick and tired of all you non-smokers always lecturing everybody else. I mean, if... We were trying to out, there's like a lot of typos this season, so I'm trying to like fill in words while I go. I mean, if we were trying to outlaw unattractive habits, why don't we outlaw nose picking in your car at 60 miles an hour? I would much rather see someone just smoking a cigarette. And why don't we just outlaw polyester pants and toupees while we're at it? I had that in my dislikes. I thought that was a bad cut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you have any other strays? I have two. It looks like they have her smoking marble reds. So mm. it really had her go full in. Mm. It's like right next to smoking a filterless cigarette. Um, and I was like, <laughs> so the, the veil just came down in front of Nikki. She's like, what? Uh, Tom, so many words. And then, but didn't your parents I see her smoke? as like a Virginia Slims kind or of am gal. I making that up? Yes, my parents did. Oh, so it seems like you would we, know two, at least two things about cigarettes. I know two brands of cigarettes. Oh, okay. Virginia Slims. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, 
camel. <laughs> and the other one. We had a bunch of Joe Camel apparel in our house uh-huh. because they collected the points. Okay. Those are the two brands of cigarettes I know. What I know about filters and not filterless, is this a thing? Yeah. I mean, there's bad for you either way. It's awful. <laughs> but the filterless is real. Yeah. That's real. Uh, so my last, and is this, are you out of strays? Yes. Okay. This is my last stray. Charlene's apple pie sandwich. Oh, mm-hmm. It reminded me of those little gadgets that they'd sell to kids when we were little, like the McDonald's French fries and stuff. You're making McDonald's French fries, but basically you're just using bread. And Oh, I do remember those. So it just put me in the mind of that, that whole little sandwich segment. Well, it put me in the mind. <laughs> She's queuing me up so beautifully. Two things. You said gadgets. Mm. Uh, and so I have a whole as seen on TV segment for extra sugar this week, which... I've t- thought a lot about gadgets over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I also have a Nikki's nibbles. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey. It's funny you say that because I'm hungry. <laughs> Nikki's nibbles. Come on, y'all. Let's talk fiddles. Nikki's nibbles. Come on, y'all. Let's eat. We have to be nearing the end of our Designing Women coverage because I'm starting to get really tired of all of our little, like, side music by the way if I have to hear that song one more time just I had the opposite which is like I feel like I haven't heard that song in a long time we haven't done a nibbles in a while yeah you should uh just uh just make some new ones (laughs) (laughs) I know remember the ambitious days (laughs) I keep hoping maybe I'll come in here and be like guess what I did for Suzanne watch a segment I don't even believe in oh my gosh (laughs) Uh, so what you just said, that apple pie sandwich situation that Mm. Charlene did, um, when we were brainstorming for this season, one of the things that we talked about, and you've covered this on social media before is Southern sandwiches. So it's it's, it's a thing. I found a Southern living article on unique Southern sandwiches and thought we would, uh, put something together for the people here. Uh, so the list is actually 15 sandwiches long and some of them we've actually talked about on here before so like the master's pimento cheese we've talked about I think we've talked about tomato sandwiches Um, and then like I just mentioned you did a social media post last year that included some of these but there were three on this list of 15 that stuck out to me as things that I have literally just never heard of yeah I thought you were gonna say just yum yum yummy (laughs) Uh, I just thought and some of them I thought were interesting choices that's that nervous laughter you just heard Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just a choice Uh, so I wanted to get your thoughts And, um, so I will say one takeaway I had looking at this list is that Charlene's stuffed apple pie sandwich really isn't as wild as it might've sounded when you consider it in the context of these others. In the South, we just really love white bread with some kind of fruit or vegetable stuffed in the middle. That was my takeaway from this list. And mayonnaise. And mayonnaise. Uh, so to that point, the first example on my list, which you have sitting in your kitchen right now, the sweet onion sandwich. Mm Mm-hmm. I freaking live in Georgia, the home of the Vidalia onion. I have never heard of an onion sandwich. Mm-mm. Um, so I'm sorry, I don't know that's not really giving you much, but so it feels weird now because now because of the things that I did with the Southern sandwiches last year, like I've been, but I didn't grow up eating Vidalia onion sandwiches. 
especially with the parsley on the edges. That was all new to me. So that's what I, I was going to say. So you basically take rounds of raw onion between slices of crustless white bread that's been slathered with mayo, and then you coat the edges in mayo and then roll it in chopped parsley. Um, Can I give a side thing too in your nibbles? Yes. <laughs> Just to say that. Do I need to play music? No. Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Because um, you're sick of it. So the uh, James Beard has a version and instead of doing may- mayonnaise on the inside, he does butter, then puts the onion in that, then puts like a coarse salt on top of that, puts the sandwich together, and then only uses mayonnaise on the edges and the parsley on that. So there are some different versions, and I don't think James Beard is Southern, although I should probably check that out. Uh, but it ter- it's like uh, very much so in the line of like tea sandwiches. Right. Yeah, so uh, one thing I do want to say about the Vidalia onion is, um, if that, that might not mean anything to anybody outside of Georgia, they're sweet and a little less like quote-unquote onion-like. So I think it makes maybe better for sandwiches or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're limited edition, which is my favorite thing in life. I love everything limited edition. Um, they're available from April to August. That's just when Vidalia onion season is. So um, that's when you'll probably have your best onion sandwich. And Although, there's like an advisory board that like dictates when they're ready. And they're like, and we'll begin today. Agriculture is big business. Yeah. And they said that like, I know, I know this, but like, you know, people say that you can just bite into them. I don't really suggest that. Onions? Yeah. Well, so for the Vidalias. Those same onion. people might be the ones for whom this sandwich sandwich is made mm-hmm. maybe for them it is like an apple like a we're gonna find out. Well, I, find out i think the point is is like i made my first one today i was disgusted just doing it and i love mayonnaise so it doesn't have anything to do with that and i love onions but like I, put a piece of meat on that sandwich you know i'm just i guess i'm not that i like a complicated sandwich I love like a tomato sandwich. And this is now we now we've gone off my list. I love a tomato Sorry. sandwich, but it's in the same vein, yeah, like yeah. white bread, mayonnaise, tomato, salt, and pepper. Although there's a lot love of it. variation in that, and people get really <laughs> in how they make their it. tomato sandwich. Yes, it's, it's not overcomplicate things, people. It's a tomato and white bread. It's a mayonnaise. Uh, I love that. I love simple. I love a simple sandwich. Yeah. Onion man. I don't know, but I do think so. The one you said you have for today is a Peru Peruvian onion. It's like a Peruvian gold or something, but it is a sweet onion. Okay, so that's so all. We'll the, see. That's all we had at the local Kroger. So it's not you going to get what season. we had? We're going to see how it goes. Like Nikki came in and there was just piles of bread. I thought you were saying mayonnaise. Well, <laughs> that too. Lots of mayonnaise. piles of mayonnaise and bread of me just like trying to get these. <laughs> perfect little circles whatever you do don't use sunbeam because i use that for the other sandwich we're going to talk about but don't do that because it's not sturdy enough to be um for the round you mean for the round Mm -hmm. the next one is the mayonnaise sandwich Uh that's the other one you made Uh it's literally just white bread and mayonnaise i so this but is this the first time you'd ever heard of this no okay Mm -mm. it's just reading though uh so selena and i we're talking off air about this a minute ago. You were eating one on the way here. Correct. One, I have to say from a practical perspective, I feel like I would just still be so hungry after I ate that white bread with nothing else on it but mayonnaise. Like that has to digest so fast. Yeah. Thing one. Um, the white bread also makes my tummy hurt a little bit. So you're also going to get a sneak peek of that today. Does that mean you're going to like accidentally fart in here? I can't make any promises okay. to you, Selena. <laughs> um, so I feel like I'd be hungry, but also, well, I don't know. I don't know. I need a substance. I need something this in my sandwich. Like I like yeah. Like put some roast beef in there. 
Exactly. So the um, cousin to this one, this is sort of my sub bullet to this one, is yeah. the pineapple sandwich, which you actually did highlight did. in your reel. Yeah. And don't use, you don't use fresh, you use canned pineapple. I love that that's like a It's like preference. specified? Yes. So um, it is just mayo and pineapple, which is, it's it's sort of akin to the pineapple casserole we've talked about before. Um, Southerners love pineapple, apparently. So is there a difference between canned and fresh? Flavor-wise? Okay, I guess. Well, yes, the, everybody knows that the canned fruits are best. <laughs> I mean, it feels like to me it's more of like necessity, right? Yeah. You know, because you don't just have this, pineapples lying around. Exactly. And mm-hmm. this didn't just originate yesterday. Right. You know, we weren't magically getting them from different areas of the world the way that we do now. So mm-hmm. you either could, didn't have access or didn't have ready, ready access to it. I liked it. But I like weird things like, um, and I shouldn't say weird, but like non-traditional. Thank you. <laughs> so to me, it was just fun. I love, we had so much fun making those sandwiches that day. I hate the lion's share of those, by the way. <laughs> that makes me happy. Uh, the last one I wanted to talk about is the Kentucky hot brown. And this is news to you. No. Okay. It is not. Okay. Uh, I think what is news to me is that it came to us via the Brown Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. The article says it was invented as a way to feed guests who had been up all night in the hotel's popular evening dinner dance. Selena's pretending to drink. Probably part of it. So it's an open-faced sandwich, which kind of requires a fork and a knife. It's usually made with thinly sliced turkey breast, a smooth and creamy Mornay sauce, a white sauce made with cheese, bacon, tomatoes, and a slice of toasted bread. Mm-hmm. Have you had this at the Dwarf House? Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Kyle's which like, oh, that's disgusting. Which is why I didn't realize that it's traditionally turkey. Mm. Because obviously it's going to be chicken, chicken. and Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I grew up on hot browns. And you, like, can't get them anymore. You can't at the Dwarf House. I, I, so the one that my, some of them, they won't even do them there anymore. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. The one in Hateville. Too labor-intensive, I think. Yeah. And so I know the one. one and of nobody the, orders them, probably. Yeah. I think this, I think the one in Jonesboro near my grandparents, like, this off Terra Boulevard, I mean, just in case y'all wanted to know, is one of, like, the very first dwarf houses. And, um, like, when my grandma had cancer, that was one of the only things that she could eat. And so they were regularly running up there and getting her hot browns. Mm-hmm. And at some point they were like, yeah, we're not doing it anymore. It's too labor intensive. But she has cancer. <laughs> it's the least you can do. Please give my grandma. But on those, it's like the chicken, the cheese, and then two slices of bacon and toast points. Mm-hmm. And then it usually you do a combo. It comes with salad. I should have Googled this. You know, I took for granted that they're still at least doing it at the hateful one because I had it like me. I mean, at this point, this time, what is time? Probably six what years ago. Time, yeah. So maybe they don't do it anymore. But they just did that big remodel. Maybe they scaled back. But that's yeah. where I had it. It was good. It is good. It's, good it's such eating. a comfort. Such a comfort food. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would put it in that category. But see, now I need to go have another one. Good You're thing going you've to. got one downstairs. <laughs> You're going to. So like I said, the rest of the list included the Masters Golf Tournament, pimento cheese, uh, cucumber sandwiches, which are like staples at showers in the South, uh, the peanut butter and banana sandwich, of course, the tomato sandwich. We'll put the whole uh, list in the show notes if folks want to poke around and maybe even try one of them. And then if people do make one, I want a picture or a video. SweetTTVPod at gmail.com or yeah. at SweetTTV on Insta. And my thing is just try things. 
Just try, just try it. it. What's going to happen? It's nothing. The, Unless you're allergic to pineapple, then don't try it. Or if you have a gag reflex with mayonnaise. Make it make sense. My <laughs> thing is, is like, I'm always just trying again, just in case, just on the off chance. For sure. You And I tell my family this pretty often, like you, especially little kids, something you didn't like at two years old, you it might feel matter. totally different yes. about at five. So give it a try. If you don't like it, fine. I won't make you eat it again for another two years, but try I it. I just learned one week ago that I like Brazil nuts now. And I've gone oh, my I whole life like, ah. These are not for me. And then I had them last week and I was like, what was wrong with me? These are fine. Oh, I love a Brazil nut. Yeah. It's true. Maybe I need to try that mayonnaise sandwich downstairs. I'm You're going to. A nice seven hour old mayonnaise sandwich. Mm-mm-mm. Room Mm-mm. temperature. <laughs> Just like the good Lord intended. That's it. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, we take you out. I was just trying to remember if we usually play music. I don't think I can listen to that again. So outside of Southern Sandwiches, what else did you like about this episode? Uh, I'm going to take a chance that we have a couple of Suzanne Says that we both really liked. Oh, man. Um, So many. The one that I really liked was I'll take 100 chances with my lungs, but you only get one chance with my wig. And then at the end where she says, oh, Lord, not again, when her wig caught on fire (laughs) in the back room. I also love this line from Anthony after he lit Suzanne's cigarette. I know this woman. She does what she wants till she doesn't want to do it anymore. Just stay out of the way and try not to get hurt. (laughs) You could also say that for someone in this room. You? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Hey, at least I'm (laughs) self-aware. Just let her learn on her own. She's going to find out she loves mayonnaise sandwiches to a point that she gets sick. I love mayonnaise. Though. So that's what you have to know about me. I'm a fry dipper on mayonnaise. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I could actually eat it by the spoonful. Sorry. Um, sorry. I'm so sorry. That definitely made at least 10 people sick and I feel real bad about it. Sorry. I told you before I worked at Quiznos. They had the big giant tub of mayonnaise and something about that will destroy. This is why I don't really like baked potatoes. I saw hundreds of them in a trash oh, can every night. I love night. a baked potato. And after just something about them being in the trash and they're all like still oiled up from being like buttered and salted and like I don't know. So, so crazy you can't that my it. mouth is now watering. It's work though, right? Well, yeah. that's what I was saying. When you were talking about them big old jars of mayonnaise, I was like, mm. <laughs> except not really. Like, you didn't see them, Selena. You like, didn't see them. You worked on there. Saying, you didn't see those baked potatoes, but I know you, you wish you did. No. <laughs> uh, the last thing I'll say that I really liked was when Charlene said, I don't know about y'all, but I can't stand to look at her out there. After Julia moved Suzanne to the outdoor smoking section, then she closed the curtains in her face. There was a person in the audience that screamed. <laughs> Rumor has it that was me. <laughs> Because that's the exact same noise I made at my house. That's hilarious. That was my last thing I liked. Man, I loved so much about this episode, just in terms of like the one-off lines and everything. I thought the writing was really sharp. And then most of my favorite parts are about the smoking subplot. Um, I'll be careful here to not repeat anything you said, but bear with me, okay? So I won't remember. Perfect. Um, Suzanne's strong stance on her new habit. Julia, I'm a grown person, and if I want to smoke, I'll smoke. Now, how do you work this thing? (laughs) I just love that. Um, Anthony's new warning label. So he says, pretty soon they'll say, look, you yellow finger, bad breast smelling, nicotine sucking pig. Go ahead and kill yourself because we're sick of you anyway. (laughs) And it won't work, by the way. (laughs) It won't work. (laughs) 
So that's what we've learned about warnings. What you got to do is you got to make them twelve dollars a pack. Make them really expensive. That's you that works. Speak to the pocket. I know. I saw prices on them not long ago, and I was like, oh my god. We're reaching like Europe level now. Julia was generally very enjoyable to me during this one. Uh, I just liked her interaction. Everything with the smoking was pretty, like, it would just work for me. So she cuts the end off of Suzanne's cigarette to declare the office is non-smoking. <laughs> and look, we already know from the season premiere, she ain't into it. Because we had the smoking guest who was in there on the oh, tour of homes. Oh, on the tour of homes. Yeah. You're right. So She's not a fan. look at my Right. <laughs> so, anyway, it's one of those moments where I was like, oh, I really think she may have just been a part of my personality. Putting Suzanne in the corner and saying it's a non-smoking section and we have to let her do this, not because we love her, but because she's stupid. Nikki also <laughs> says this about me a lot at work. Just let it happen. Um, let it spraying Suzanne in the face with air freshener and then throwing her out on the back patio, just <laughs> right in the face, too. That's why That was the part where I thought that was a body... Double. I did. I, I would have put money on the fact that wasn't her until she turned around. Well, it's only be, it's only bested by the line that yeah with Charlene. That was so freaking funny. The way that Anthony puts out her hair, <laughs> and then uh, and I think oh lord, right. And then you mentioned I called it Suzanne's great secession speech. But, um, yeah, don't mess with her wigs. And then. Um, when Anthony thinks Mary Jo's about to ask him to be her donor. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was really great. He has limits, y'all. Sure. He has limits. Sure. And then JD's very slow realization that Mary Jo is hitting him up for a donation. <laughs> so he gulps down the wine and then just passes over the money for her <laughs> getting dinner earlier. So that whole scene was so funny. And what did you not like about this episode? I didn't have anything. Okay. So my one of mine was the cut line that you mentioned already. I just it was just a bad Hulu cut. And then I did like the scene with Mary Jo and JD. I did think it went on just a beat too long. Yeah. Um, other than that, good scene. There's a lot of will they, won't they there. That's right. Yeah. Uh you want to rate this one? Sure. Uh my rating scale is sperm bank popsicles. I thought about flaming wigs, but I went with the sperm bake rating because that's really the main plot of the episode, though, to your point, everything I mentioned was about the smoking subplot. Scene stiller. Uh, I gave this one the rare five out of a five. I think that um, the pairing of the two subplots was really funny. I thought this was really touching, that whole thing with Mary Jo. I was a little bit annoyed, like I said, by the um, her blindness to everything, but I think I, like, justified it because she was like willful blindness but it did i just kept thinking about it like god that's annoying uh but in general i'd watch that suzanne's wig going up in flames at the very end like a million times (laughs) there were just so many funny lines in this one and it wasn't like the shenanigans sort of humor it was like just good quality funniness they Mm -hmm. weren't relying on there's certainly some physicality to it but they weren't really relying on that there's just funny stuff happening i liked it 100 percent. so i gave it well, I, I'll catch you on the flammable part because I said four. I gave it a four out of five flammable hair pieces, but as we've been sitting here and talking, I think I have to bump it up to a four point five. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I just it, it just had a lot of dazzling lines, and it's just really funny. It's pure fun, and sometimes you just need that. So yeah, 90s things. Uh, you know, you just said this in the last episode about plastic surgery, but I think this whole thing about sperm banks and smoking being such like big 
topics of discussion. I just don't think that happens today. So that felt dated to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then infomercials. I'm going to stop there for reasons that will make themselves apparent in a couple of days with extra sugar. But that also felt very dated or 90s to me. Or in five minutes for you and me. Correct. Okay. So I had Charlene's hot sandwich maker. Yeah. And fitting into that world. And then, um, yeah, just like. We're on the same page. Alternative reproduction um, options. Oh, (laughs) that took me so long to translate. Well, it took me a long time to get the full words out. So (laughs) I broke there for like half a second. But good. Both our brains broke on that one. You found it. You found the glitch. Uh, Well, I usually find the glitch. It's getting past the glitch that's trouble. (laughs) Southern things. I talked about the sandwiches. That's really the only thing that's even adjacently Southern to me. Okay, I had feel like a hill. Sorry, that's all my southern words coming out. Feel like a hill. Feel. Um, So, and I'm almost sure JD said that before. Like, I think in the episode where he wanted to have sex before Mary Jo. Oh, you're not horny anymore, are you? Um, (laughs) Lord. Oh, good Lord, Selena. Sorry, you can't say horny. Anyways, now she said it twice while looking me right in the eyes. Squarely in the peepers. Um, And then we get, uh, which which has got to be one of our most repeated references, but the Civil War and burning Atlanta. Oh. So that's Southern. And then references we need to talk about. I don't have anything. Oh. I'm second guessing myself. Okay. I had, so I have one and it's that but, <laughs> I was expecting like fifty. Well, is it because it's it's a little convoluted? Okay. Okay, it's take the, me on this journey. It's the Nobel Prize sperm bank. So but they mentioned like you're gonna tap into oh. that Nobel Prize win- winner sperm bank and I was like, is this real? And it was. So this is the repository for germinal choice. So it's a real thing. Founded in 1979 by Robert Clark Graham. He's also the inventor of shatterproof glasses and contact lenses, just in case you needed to know. Oh, my gosh. The Thank I- you. You're welcome. The idea, well, you better say you're welcome to him. Maybe not for the thing we're about to go I into, was thinking him. I wasn't thinking Oh, you. the contact lenses. Yeah. Got it. I need contacts. Yes, they're helpful. Um, so the idea was that it was supposed to produce super kids from the sperm of high achievers like Nobel Prize winners. So all of his donors were white and had to be married heterosexuals, among other criteria, and the bank would only supply sperm to women who were the same. In theory, Graham said... Who were white, heterosexual, married. Good job. Okay. 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 Thank you for that clarification. In theory, Graham said, the bank will produce children that were all white, intelligent, neurotypical, and physically conforming to one ideal aesthetic. There were 208... It's creepy, right? 218 (sighs) children in all were born of sperm from the bank. And I just felt like I needed to go ahead and say it was creepy because I want to be very clear that I'm not like, what a cool idea. Anyways, so there were three Nobel laureates at first, but two dropped out after bad press started circulating. <laughs> oh, may I imagine that? About, wait, I'm sorry, uh, bad press about how, so they were. Because it sounded like eugenics. Right. Right. They were Nobel Prize winners born from the sperm or no, they involved were in donators. donating. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so. It, what happened to the kids? Uh, I didn't look into that. Were they super kids? <laughs> we no. don't have very many super would, kids. If only it were that simple. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I yeah. think if you've met enough kids and enough backgrounds, you know, that's not really the way it works. But for many, it called back to, again, the eugenics movement. 
you know, that had a hand in shaping Nazism. This is a thing that we touched on really early in the podcast, I believe. But Graham was in the news that year and perhaps caught writers' eyes. So this is after winning. This is my accidental extra sugar in the middle of the episode. So sorry about that. But I just thought this was so fascinating. I had to share it. But anyway, so he won the, and I'm sorry, I, I don't, is it IG Nobel Prize? Have you ever heard of this before? Maybe it's IG. No, I'm not sure. I'm going to assume it's IG, but it's a satiric prize awarded annually since 1991, so he's one of the very first okay. winners, to celebrate 10 unusual or trivial achievements in scientific research. Its aim is to, quote, honor achievements that first make people laugh and then make people think. So he had a huge influence on the fertility industry either way because it sort of opened the door for parents to know more about their donors and also to be more selective. So initially parents knew very little but today, you know, parents can select on everything from a donor's health to their intelligence. So arguably, this is creating ideal children. To be very clear, I can understand the allure to make sure your child is healthy, but the point is there are downsides to that. So, and when did you say the sperm bank was established? Did you say the seventy nine? Okay, I think yeah, okay, that's what I thought. And then um, bioethicist Carrie uh, Bowman, because I feel I feel like it makes more sense to hear from someone who's like actually in the field versus me being like I don't know this don't sound right. <laughs> Anyways, um, she raises a good ethical point, which is it's narrowing humanity at a time when we're starting to accept many aspects of diversity. So the article I read used the example of dyslexia, for instance. So this is a trait that is banned from sperm banks, but highly associated with creativity. So the question becomes, what are we losing in our quest for control? That is crazy. And when did the sperm bank close? It is closed, correct? I don't know when it closed, that but I like to think story. it's closed. It's weird to me. It was established in 79, but it sounds like nobody really talked about it till 91. Mm. That's when he won that award. That, yeah, I don't know why it took that long for him to win that award. I don't yeah. know if maybe by then it was circulating. Maybe it broke into the news more. That's terrifying. That's like yeah. an entire generation of children born of that sperm bank. Yeah. And the very first thing that went through my head was eugenics when you described especially the criteria. That is incredibly problematic. It's, I mean, I just like, I was floored just like reading through this because I thought this has to be a joke, right? And then so I was like, oh, right, of course it's not a joke. But this is, this sort of even puts me in the mind of um, your extra sugar from before. It's this thing like of control. <laughs> More. Just thinking about like plastic surgery. Oh, uh -huh. like we're trying to like fit. A mold. Form some ideal, yeah, and we're losing out on what makes us special. Yeah, you know, a planet because full of billions of people. We can't be the same. Yeah, then you end up with like the Star Wars soldiers. There's just like rows and rows of soldiers that are all dressed stormtroopers. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word, <laughs> but like rows and rows of stormtroopers that all look the same. I'll be that nerdy for you. Thank Let you. me help you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so it's just, it's a thinker. So I think that that prize is, was really interesting to learn about too because it is funny and then you're like, oh no, wait, whoa. Let's, I think let's I didn't get the funny part. The, the part that was funny never came to me. So yeah. as you were talking, like you described what it was and I was like, God, that's terrifying. I think just anytime you start talking about a sperm bank, people are like, tee hee hee. Oh, you people know. are stupid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> except for the people who are listening to <laughs> and laughing at sperm banks. Please don't laugh at sperm banks, guys. Well, that maybe it's not the bank. Maybe it's the sperm. <laughs> Does that help? Do you want me to? Little tadpoles. Sperm. 
horny. Stop it. <laughs> Podcast over. Oh my god. All right. That was it. So it was one reference. Even if like that wasn't it, Selena, I was about to cut you off. <laughs> I was about to mute your mic. We've hit that point. <laughs> Season 5, episode 18 is up next. This is art. Nope, that's not right. This is art? (laughs) Okay, I was like, God, did I get the name of the episode wrong? No, I just have to read it right. Yeah. Um, We'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. TikTok at Sweet Tea TV Pod. We're on YouTube at Sweet Tea TV 7371. Our email address is Sweet Tea TV Pod at gmail.com. And our website is www.sweetteatv.com. You can always tell your family and friends about us. You can rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. And then you can visit that website website and find additional ways to support the show from the support us page and then come back thursday for a segment i'm calling this extra sugar marvel could be all yours for four easy payments of 19.99 perfect i can't wait to tell you so much more you'll have to come back thursday for this exclusive deal but because i like you i'll share that it's probably inspired by charlene's adventure with the stuffed sandwich maker at the beginning of the episode it is probably free. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. All right. Most likely. Well, you know what, Nikki? What's that, Selena? We'll see you around the bend. Bye.